Section 1 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 20, March 16, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 20, March 16, 1880. Across the Ocean, or a Boy's First Voyage. Chapter 2. Begun in number 19 of Harper's Young People, March 9th. Across the Ocean, or a Boy's First Voyage. A True Story by J. O. Davidson. Chapter 2. The Furnace Room. Had Frank lain awake, he would have seen a curious sight, for there are few more picturesque scenes than the forecastle interior of an ocean steamer at night, lit by the fitful gleam of its swinging lamp. This grim-looking man, fumbling in his breast as if for the ever-ready knife or pistol, must be dreaming of some desperate struggle by his set teeth and hard breathing. That huge scar on the face of the gaunt, sallow figure beside him whose soiled red shirt and matted beard would just suit the foreground of a Nevada gully, might tell a strange tale. That handsome, statuesque countenance, yonder, again faultless, but for the sinister gleam of his restless eyes, what can it be doing among these coarse, uncultivated men, not one of whom can tell why they should all shrink from it as they do? What a study for a pirate any artist might make of the shaggy black-haired giant whose lion-like head is hanging over the side of his bunk his weather-beaten face looks hard as a pine knot but a child would run to him at once recognizing with its own unerring instinct the tender heart hidden beneath that rough outside next to him lies a trim slender lad who looks as if he knew more of latin and greek than of reefing and splicing and whose curly brown head some fond mother has doubtless caressed many a time yet here he is an unknown sailor before the mast with all his gifts wasted and doomed perhaps to sink lower still but these are the exceptions the majority are sailors of the ordinary type careless light-hearted improvident never looking beyond the present moment content to accept the first job that turns up and quite satisfied with a day's food and a shirt to their backs some are coiled up on lockers and spare sails others sleeping off their last night's spree on the bare planks and rolling over and over with every plunge of the vessel whoo what a stream of cold air comes rushing down the hatchway as it opens to let in the deck watch glad enough to get below again out of the cold and wet their shouts as they dash the brine from their beards and jackets and chaff the comrades who are unwillingly turning out to relieve them arouse frank who for a moment could hardly make out where he is then it all flashes upon him and he tumbles up and goes on deck certainly if any one ever could feel dismal at sea it would be during the hour before dawn the most cheerless and uncomfortable of the whole twenty-four after spending the night in a lively game of cup and ball with yourself for the ball and an amazingly hard wooden bunk for the cup you crawl on deck bruised and aching from top to toe, while gazing upon the inspiring landscape of grey fog and slaty blue sea, you suddenly feel a stream of cold water splashy into your boots, while an unfeeling sailor gruffly asks why in thunder you can't get out of the way. Spring hastily aside, you break your shins over a spar which seems to have been put there on purpose, and get up only to be instantly 
thrown down again by a lee lurch of the ship amid the derisive laughter of the deck watch meanwhile a shower of half-melted snow insinuates itself into your eyes and up your sleeves and down the back of your neck and all this joined to the agonizing thought that it will be at least two hours before you can get any breakfast speedily fills you with a rooted hatred of everything and everybody on board the ship well my poor frank contrasting his dismal surroundings with the comfortable rooms and piping hot breakfasts of his forsaken home began to think that he had made a fool of himself but he choked down the feeling as unworthy of a man and tried to turn his thoughts by watching the two quartermasters at the wheel who were straining every muscle to keep the ship's head to the mountain waves that burst over the bow every moment with the shock of a battering ram breakfast came at last but was not very satisfactory when it did the old saying of salt horse and hardtack exactly described the food and frank eating with one hand while clinging desperately to the long narrow table with the other had quite enough to do in keeping his knife from running into his eye and himself from going head over heels on the floor at every plunge below the waterline the mess-room already dim enough became almost dark while the faces of the men looked as green and ghastly as a band of demons in a pantomime and to crown all one of frank's neighbors suddenly sent a tremendous splash of grease right over him coolly remarking now greeny you won't get hurt if you fall overboard i'll calms the water you know at which all the rest laughed and frank felt worse than a murderer breakfast over our hero was told off to go below with the fireman down he went through one narrow hole after another past deck after deck of iron grating down 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 till at last as he emerged from a dark passageway a very startling scene burst upon him along either side of the long narrow passage the iron walls of which sloped inward overhead gaped a row of huge furnace mouths sending out a quivering glare of intense heat increased by the mounds of red-hot coals that heaped the iron floor amid this chaos several huge black figures stripped to the waist and with wet cloths around their sooty faces were fleeing coal into the furnaces were stirring the fires with long iron rakes now standing out gaunt and grim in the red blaze now vanishing into the eddies of hissing steam tossed about by the stream of cold air from funnel-like windsail serving as a ventilator a shovel was thrust into frank austin's hand and he was set to keep the doorway clear of the coal that came tumbling in it from the bunkers where the coal heavers were at work in this way he labored till noon and then with blistered hands and aching back crawled up the iron ladder worn out grimy and half dazed to his dinner but what a dinner for christmas day no appetizing turkey and plum pudding eaten in the midst of loving faces and merry talk and laughter nothing but coarse salt junk and hard ship biscuit hastily snatched among rough unsympathetic men who neither knew nor cared anything about him and as soon as the meal was over back again to his weary toil in the coal bunker which was fated however to be cut short in a way that he little expected for a time he worked away manfully but the heat of the room and the monotony of his occupation combined to make him careless little by little his thoughts wandered away to his pleasant home beside the hudson and the little garden patch where he used to work and the cosy fire in the ashes of which he and his brothers roasted their chestnuts and look out there the warning cry came too late 
there was a sudden shock a deafening crash and poor frank was seen lying on his back senseless and half buried beneath the huge heap of coal that blocked the doorway to be continued end of section one